Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It's Thursday morning, 11 o'clock a.m., and it's time to study Parsha. So with Hashem's help, I'm going to call this shir, what do you do if you are perfect? That means <clears throat> so many of us spend so much time working on ourselves in life and trying to become bigger and better people and Jews. But what do you actually do if you, if you reach perfection? If you reach the zenith, of what you ever dreamed possible in a spiritual sense. What do you do then? That's what I'm going to call this year. Let's see. Let's see how it does. If you have a Chumash in front of you, open up Parshas Baha We're learning Perak Tes. I'm going to start with Posuk Vov. Now this, this part of the, of the Chumash of the Parsha gives us the famous mitzvah of Pesach Sheni, um, where here the Jews are told that if a person for whatever reason was unable to bring the carbon Pesach, the, the, the Paschal sacrifice, when it is supposed to be brought, which is on the, first, on the 14th day in the Hebrew month of Nisan, then they do have a second chance to bring this carbon one month later, 30 days later, on the 14th day of the month of Iyar. To this day, it's celebrated as a, as a Yom Tov of sorts. Um, we refer to it as Pesach Sheni, the, the second Pesach. All right, practically today, uh, we do not have sacrifices until Mashiach comes. Please, God, speedily in our days. So what do we do on Pesach Sheni? Well, it's a great holiday because we don't say Tachnon. And uh, Jews are always very excited when they don't say Tachnon. And the minag is to eat matzah in commemoration to the matzah that would have been eaten together with the Pesach Sheni. It's interesting that you don't have this with any other Yom Tov. There isn't a Sukkot Sheni, and there isn't a Yom Kippur Sheni, and there isn't a Rosh Hashanah Sheni, or a Shavuot Sheni, nothing. Only Pesach, and here you have Pesach Sheni. What if a person was impure, and they couldn't bring any other Karbonis on, on, on Sukkot, or on Shavuot, or something like that? We don't find this concept of, 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 a, of a second chance by any of the other Yom Tov. All right. <clears throat> What is the background? So the background here is, is very famous. You all know it, of course. The background is that the Jews are given a mitzvah to bring a carbon Pesach. Now, now, the first time they brought the carbon Pesach was exactly one year ago, on the 14th day of Nisan, uh, the night before they literally left Egypt. And this is basically exactly one year later. It's on the one-year anniversary of when the Jewish people have left Egypt. And once again, they're instructed by Hashem through Moshe Rabbeinu to bring a carbon Pesach. Now, this was news to the Jews. They were surprised by this um, because they were not told, to the best of my knowledge in Mitzrayim, that this was something that they were going to do every year. So the next, the following, it was, it was seen initially, in Egypt, it was seen initially as a one-time thing. You know, you bring a carbon in honor of leaving Mitzrayim. A year later, when they already been out of Egypt for a year, by this time, they had already crossed the sea and gotten the Torah and built the Mishkan and everything. They were once again instructed to bring a carbon Pesach. I should point out that in the 39 years after this, that the Jews are in Mitzray, the Jews are in the desert, they never again bring another carbon Pesach until they go into Eretz Yisrael. And once they go into Eretz Yisrael, then the carbon Pesach becomes an annual mitzvah. But for the 40 years of the Jews, for the, for the, for the 40 year duration, of the Jews being in Egypt, the only time they brought the carbon Pesach actually was the first year which we study about in this week's parsha. Okay, now the story gets the story gets its its wrinkle or its things sort of go off the rails here 
Um, here, the beginning of Pasad Vav. So again, if you have it in front of you, Herakles Pasad Vav. Says the Torah, Vayehi Anoshim, there were men, Asher Hoyu Tmeim, who were impure, Lenefesh Adam. Simply this means they were impure because they had come in contact with a dead body. As a result, now, so what does this mean? So there are different types of impurities in the Torah. A person can be impure, a Jew can be impure from coming in contact with certain dead bugs, as we'll discuss soon. A person can become impure from, from all sorts of things. The highest level of impurity for a living person is coming in contact with the, the body, the corpse of a deceased Jew. So these were individuals, they were as living human beings, as living Jews, they experienced the highest level of impurity. They were impure because they had come in contact with the nefesh adam with, um, with, with the dead body. As a result, says the Torah, they couldn't. They were halachically barred from bringing the Korban Pesach on that day, which is the day when all the other Jews brought the Korban Pesach, the 14th day of Nisan, on exactly the first anniversary of the first time the Jews had brought the Korban Pesach in Egypt, the day before they left Egypt. And they approached Moshe and Aaron on that day, on the 14th day of Nisim. And those people said to him, They declared in honesty and in the spirit of transparency, we are impure. We've come in contact with a dead body. Why should we lose out? Why should we be less than? Why should we be, uh, ligora means to, to downgrade, to, to, to be treated as, as, as less worthy. Loma nigora, why should, why should we be less? Levilti hakriv as korban Hashem And not bring the sacrifice of Hashem, the korban Pesach in its proper time. Among all the Jews, like everybody else, everybody else is doing it. Why shouldn't we? Moshe, who does not know what to respond to the Jews, tells them, Indu, wait, the and I will let you hear, I will let you know what Hashem will command concerning you. The Torah goes on to say that Hashem gave Moshe the mitzvah of the Pes, of what we, again, what we call the Pesach Sheni, which is the mitzvah that if a person was impure or far away on the first, the time of the first carbon Pesach, they have a second opportunity to do so. Pesach Sheni, Yudalid, Yudalid Iyar. All right. The idea of the Pesach Sheni in Hasidic teachings is a very encouraging mitzvah. Hasidus explains that this is Hashem's way of turning to every Jew and, say, and saying, fear not, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've experienced, there's always a second chance. It's never too late, even if you were impure, even if you were, which means not just ritually impure, but spiritually impure. And even if you were far away, which means not just physically far away, but spiritually far away, there's always a second chance. There's always a Pesach Sheni. A Jew should never be Jewish, which means a Jew should never get despondent and say, look, I had an opportunity. All the other Jews were on the boat and I missed the boat. Don't worry, there's a Pesach Sheni for all those, for, for all those who, who, who were not able to do some Pesach Roshan, which actually it's a very inspirational and encouraging idea. But let's go, let's go a little deeper here 
Um, let's dig into this. I want to ask you five questions. Simple, straightforward questions. Not, uh, not yet, you know, we're not going to split any hairs yet. We'll get to that soon. Five questions. Question number one, who were these people? The Torah introduces the story, there were men. Who? Who were they? Question number one. Question number two, their question to Moshe and Aaron is, since we, we are impure, they declare themselves being impure, Loma Nigora, why should we be less than? Why should we not be able to bring the sacrifice together with everybody else? This is an incredibly strange question, actually, as all the commentaries point out. What do they mean? Why should they be treated less than? They have to be treated less than because they're impure. In, in the words of the previous verse, there were men who were impure, quote, they were unable to bring the sacrifice, the, the Pesach sacrifice, because they were impure. Next Pesach, they came to Moshe and Aaron and said, we're impure, why should we lose out? <laughs> you just said why. Because impure people, impure Jew, Jews in a state of Tumah are not allowed to bring sacrifices. That's why. What kind of a question is this? Is this Lomonigora? Very difficult to understand what they're even asking. If they would have come and said, could you please give us a second chance? We really want to, right? We, we, we feel like we, uh, you know, we feel excluded, right? What happened to inclusion? All right, at, at least they, in that case, we would understand their question as basically asking for mercy, right? We know we cannot bring the Korban Pesach now because we're impure. Is there anything you can do for us? Please. If I come to you and I ask you for a favor, I say, I know I don't deserve it, but I'm asking you, please be kind. Please have mercy. Please find it in your heart. But what's this business, Lomonigora? It's like they're, they're, it's like they're confused. They don't understand. Why should we uh, be, be, be not be able to bring the sacrifice with everybody else? It's a very strange question. You cannot bring the sacrifice with everybody else because you're impure. As the Pesach just, and the, the, as the Pesach just said, and the Pesach said it very strong. The Pesach says, because they were impure, they were unable to. What are you asking? Why am I losing out and not being given the opportunity to do something that I cannot do? If you can't do it, you can't do it. What do you want? That's question two. Question three. The words, Tmeim l'nefesh odom, impure because they came in contact with a dead body, repeated twice. Look at this. They were impure because they touched the dead body. They couldn't bring the Korban Pesach. They came to Moshe and Aaron, and they say, quote, Why do I say it twice? Difficult to understand. Question four. Very interestingly, the Torah does not actually tell us what happened in the end. They came to Moshe. They said to Moshe, why should we lose out? Whatever that question means. Moshe says, you know what? Wait here. I'm going to let you know what Hashem says. And Hashem tells Moshe, there's a mitzvah called, Korban Pe there's a mitzvah called Pesach Sheni. Again, the Torah doesn't use the word Pesach Sheni. This is a, a rabbinic colloquial term. But, but the Torah makes it clear. There's a second opportunity a month later to bring the Korban Pesach. End of story. That's it. A couple of laws about the Pesach Sheni, right? How it's treated in some ways. It's the same as the Pesach Rishon, etc. End of, end of mitzvah. The Torah goes on to talk about the Jewish people's travels in the desert, and that's the end of it. All right. What about these guys? These guys who were impure. 
we can assume that Moshe repeated the mitzvah back to them. Okay. Did they in fact bring a Pesach? Did they in fact bring a Pesach Sheni? Does that mean that these individuals, again, whoever they are, we don't know who they are yet, that these individuals, whoever they are, then one month later brought the Pesach, brought the Korban Pesach on the 14th day of year? Is that what happened? Is that not what happened? The Torah doesn't say anything. The Torah just drops the story in the middle. Hashem gave Moshe ben a mitzvah Pesach Sheni. The end. And finally, question number five is on a comment of Rashi. So if you look here at Rashi in Posig Zion, Rashi makes a couple of interesting points. At the end, Rashi says these words. The end of Rashi, this is, again, if you have a Rashi in front of you, the last two lines of Rashi's commentary on Posig Zion. Rashi says, Rashi says, this portion, this mitzvah of Pesach Sheni, it was worthy. By right, it should have been given through Moshe Rabbeinu like the rest of the Torah. In other words, almost all of the other 613 mitzvahs of the Torah are given through Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, this mitzvah is also given through Moshe Rabbeinu. So what does Rashi want? Rashi, what Rashi means is there's no initiative of anybody else. How does every, every regular mitzvah go? By Hashem Hashem said to Moshe, you know, put on tefillin, keep Shabbos, keep kosher, you know, don't wear shatnas, don't mix milk and meat, etc., etc. Rashi says it should have been the same here. These individuals who protested, the individuals who were impure, protested. These individuals merited. And that they should be the ones who take the initiative through whom this parsha is given. Because Almighty God will always make good things happen, meritorious things happen through meritorious people. And so these individuals merited that it was through their initiative that this mitzvah came around. Otherwise, if not for that, it would have been given directly to Moshe Rabbeinu like all other mitzvahs. All right, this is the simple meaning of Rashi. Of course, there's many layers of interpretation, but for now, let's go with that. And even on a simple level, it's an impossible point. It's an impossible point to understand. What does Rashi mean? That this mitzvah should have been given directly to Moshe Rabbeinu? How? This mitzvah is in response to Jews who were impure. They came to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, we're impure, but we'd like to bring the Korban Pesach anyways. Moshe Rabbeinu said, good point. I'll ask Hashem. Hashem says, all right, people who were impure the first time get to bring a Pesach Shani, they get to bring a Pesach the second time. Says Rashi, oh, but it, it, it should have gone straight to Moshe Rabbeinu. How would it have gone straight to Moshe Rabbeinu? If there's nobody impure the first time, then there's nobody to bring the Korban Pesach the second time. You don't need a Pesach Shani if nobody's impure the first time. Moshe Rabbeinu is not impure. The Torah says, again, we'll discuss soon who these people were. They were men who were impure. They came to Moshe and Aaron and they complained, they protested. Okay, so Moshe said, go ask Hashem. Hashem said, we'll make, give, give them Pesach Sheni. But the mitzvah of Pesach Sheni is only for people who were impure. People who were pure the first time are not allowed to bring Pesach Sheni. They have to bring Pesach Rishon. So until you have somebody who is impure or distant or far away, you don't have a hechatimtza. You don't, you don't have an opportunity for this mitzvah in the first place. And yet Rashi says, should have been given through Moshe Rabbeinu and not these people. Difficult to understand, even on a pshat level, what Rashi means. Okay, let's move on. The next thing I'd like to share here 
is this is a Gemara from Masech the Sukkah, Daf Chofhei, page 25, Masech the Sukkah, page one and page two. Amal Aleph and Amal Beis. The Gemara here is discussing the issue, what's called the, the, the halachic Talmudic issue, called the Oisik B'mitzvah Potom in a Mitzvah, which means that one who is involved in one Mitzvah is exempt from fulfilling another mitzvah. If being involved in one mitzvah puts you, puts you in a position where it's difficult or very difficult or, or, or it puts you in a position where you cannot do a different mitzvah. So there's a rule called which means if you're involved in one mitzvah, you're exempt from another. And the Gemara interestingly raises as an example for this idea of when you're involved in one mitzvah, you're exempt from a different mitzvah, this story that we're talking about right here, the story of the, the, of the mitzvah of Pesach Sheni. The Gemara says like this, Anoshim quotes the verse, Anoshim There were these people who were impure, says the Gemara, Who were these people? Sound familiar? They didn't make up the question. Three opinions. Number one, Rabbi Yossi Aglili says, they were, these were the Jews who carried Yosef's coffin out of Mitzrayim. So what does that mean? If you remember in Parshas Vayechi, at the end of Bereshis, before Yosef's death, Yosef makes his brothers swear that when their descendants leave Mitzrayim, they're going to take his coffin out with them. And this oath was fulfilled. When the Jewish people left, Moshe Rabbeinu, the, the Pesach says, Moshe Rabbeinu took Atzmois Yosef Imoi. Moshe took the bones of Yosef together with him out of Mitzrayim as the Jews left. In fact, as the Gemara says in other places, it wasn't only Yosef who was taken out of Mitzrayim, it was all the brothers. All right. Says the Gemara, here in Masech Tafsukat opinion number one, who were these Anoshim, who were these people who carried the coffin of Yosef? who came to Moshe and said, we're impure, we cannot bring the Korban Pesach. They were these Jews who were given the task of physically carrying the coffin of Yosef. It's interesting because the Pesach says that Moshe took the bones of Yosef. All right, so however you're going to explain it, there were individuals who were responsible for physically carrying Yosef's coffin, and they are impure because they're coming in contact with Yosef's coffin and dead body. They came to Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron and complained, we want to bring the Korban Pesach. That's opinion number one. Opinion number two, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says, They were Mishoel and Eltsafon. Now, who in heaven's name is Mishoel and Eltsafon? Actually, they are sons of a man named Uziel. Who is Uziel? Uziel is the uncle of Aaron. Mishoel and Eltsafon, Aaron's first cousins. These were the guys who came to complain that they wanted to bring the Korban Pesach, even though they were impure. What's their story? Says the Gemara. If you remember that tragic story on the day of the construction, the day of the inauguration of the Mishkan, on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, two weeks beforehand, on, on the very first day, Nodav and Aviu perish in the Mishkan in front of Moshe and Aaron through a fire of Hashem. When, they, when their bodies lay deceased on the floor of the Mishkan, on each day of finally being inaugurated, the Torah says Moshe Rabbeinu called Mishoel and Eltsofan, Aaron's first cousins, and asked them to carry the bodies of Nadav and Aviyu out of the Mishkan. They were impure because they touched the bodies of Nadav and Aviyu. And so they came to Moshe and Aaron and complained, why should we lose out? That's opinion number two. 
Opinion number three, Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak says, I refuse to accept any of your inter interpretations. I refuse to accept that they were those who carried the coffin of Yosef. And I refuse to accept that they were Mishol and El-Safon who carried Nadav and Aviv. You know why? Because if that's what it was, they would have had plenty of time to purify themselves between when they touched the dead body and when the mitzvah of Korm Pesach is given. How long does it take for a Jew to purify themselves from coming in contact with a dead body? We'll learn this in a few weeks in Parshas Chukas. The answer is seven days. And that you need to be sprinkled with a mixture of water and ashes of the Porah Aduma on day number three and on day number seven. And on day number seven, you need to go to the mikveh. And once the day is over, you're pure. Says Rabbi Yitzchak, Mishoel and El-Safan who carried Nodem and Aviyu, this was 14 days ago. Why are they coming now crying and saying we're impure? Why are you impure? It takes seven days to purify yourself. And this is a story that happened 14 days ago. And those who carried the coffin of Yosef, they, says Rabbi Yitzchak, have not touched Yosef's coffin in 10 months. You see, when the Jewish people left Mitzrayim, the Torah says, they arrived at, at Midbar Sinai, they arrived at the place of Matan Torah on Rosh Chodesh Sivan. Now we're talking Yudalad Nisan, the Jews have not traveled since then. We're talking Sivan, Tammuz, Av, Elul, Tishrei, Cheshvan, Kislev, Tevis, Shvat, Adar, half of Nisan, ten and a half months. What are you using this as an excuse that you carried Yosef's coffin ten and a half months ago? Yes, in the middle of Eeyore, about a, about a month after this, the Jews will continue traveling. And then once again, those who are responsible for carrying Yosef's coffin will carry it further. But now, what's the excuse now? Rabbi Yitzchak refuses to accept either of these explanations. Rather, he says, quote, Doesn't, we don't have names. <coughs> we don't have names of people who are carrying. We don't have names. We don't know exactly which coffin, which bodies they were handling. We don't know anything. All we know, says Rabbi Yitzchak, is they must have been as oiskin b'meis mitzvah, individuals who were halachically obligated to bury certain Jews within the past seven days. And so they did not have time to purify themselves before the Korm Pesach was, the midst of the Korm Pesach was, was given to be brought. And so they, find, they found themselves in this, in this predicament at no fault of their own. Okay. So again, we got three opinions as to who these people were. Number one, those who carried Yosef's coffin. Number two, those who carried Nodav and Avil. And number three, just nameless people who buried nameless other Jews whom they were halachically obligated to bury because they were Oisik with Meis Mitzvah. I don't want to get into now. There's different interpretations of what exactly Meis Mitzvah here means in this context of the Gemara, not for now. All right. Now, the question that Rabbi Yitzchak is asking seems to be a bomb question. What do you mean? How are you using this as an excuse for not being able to bring the Korn Pesach? You carried Yosef's coffin 10 months ago? Or Nodav and Aviyu 14 days ago? How is that still relevant? We obviously have to say that those individuals who carried the coffin of Yosef or carried out the, body, the, the bodies of Nodav and Aviyu chose to remain impure. Because again, Rabbi Yitzchak is right. They had the opportunity to purify themselves. But they didn't. They obviously could have, 
the mitzvah of the ashes of the Pora Aduma, the, the Gemara explains, was given on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. There was 14 days for these Jews to purify themselves. They obviously chose to remain in this impure state. According to the first two opinions. Rabbi Yitzchak says, no, nobody chose to remain, to remain in an impure state. These were individuals who had no choice. All right. Let me add two points here. Number one, by the way, it wasn't only Yosef who asked to be carried out of Mitzrayim. It was all the brothers. So there were not Jews, there were not merely just Jews carrying Yosef's coffin. There were Jews carrying all the coffins of the 12 brothers. Perhaps, according to this opinion, the Gemara's point extends to all of them. Those who were carrying the coffins of Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, etc., etc., etc. And the second point is, if you think about it, it's not difficult to understand why these Jews who carried the coffins of the Shvatim or who carried out Nod of Anavihu chose to remain in a state of impurity. Not difficult to understand why they'd have chosen to do that. Why? Obviously. Think about what a zechus, what a merit, how fortunate they must have considered themselves to be able to carry Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, their, their very coffins out of Mitzrayim, together with the Jews, together with two, three million Jews, as they marched out of free people, went to Matan Torah, built a Mishkan, would one day go into Eretz Yisrael. I mean, those Jews who had the opportunity to carry the coffins of the Shvatim themselves, the sons of Yaakov, the founders of all of Klal Yisrael, they must have considered themselves to have been given the greatest opportunity ever. Surely, even if they could have purified themselves from the impurity of touching the coffins of these tzaddikim, they would have said, absolutely not. Why would I want to remove myself from a spiritual state that's cast upon me from coming in contact with these tzaddikim? Imagine if you and I had the opportunity to, to, you know, to, to lay to rest some of the greatest tzaddikim of Jewish history, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, uh, Rabbi Akiva, uh, the Rambam. I mean, uh, would we hesitate to defile ourselves by coming in contact with these coffins? Would we even consider a tumah? Of course not. And if we did have this opportunity, would we rush to cleanse and purify ourselves from coming in contact with these dead bodies? No. We would consider ourselves fortunate to remain in that state. Ten and a half months, these Jews are in a state of tumah from carrying the coffins of, of Yosef and the Shvotim. I'm, I'm sure they, they, they relished every second of it. What about Mishoel and El Tzofan, the cousins? who carried Nodav and Aviu out of the Mishkan on the day of the inauguration of the Mishkan. What about them? Well, remember what the Medrash says, Rashi quotes this, when Nodav and Aviu die, fall dead on the day of the final, final day of the inauguration of the Mishkan. You remember what Moshe Avinu tells Aaron? In front of the bodies of his two lifeless sons, Moshe tells Aaron, Nodav and Aviyu are holier and greater than you and I. They're greater. They're more holy than us. Imagine you 
But I were given the opportunity to lay to rest Sadikim that Moshe Rabbeinu and Torah's Emma says are greater than Moshe and Aaron. What kind of a tremendous sechus is that? It wasn't circumstances, the Gemara is explaining. According to two opinions, it was not circumstances that was beyond their control. They could have been in a state of purity. They could have. They chose not to. They wanted to remain under the spiritual auspices of this experience of carrying the coffins of Reuben and Shimon and Yosef, Yosef HaTzadik, who took care of the Jews and, 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 and reassured them and told them, you will leave Mitzrayim. They chose to remain in that state of impurity. Okay, next. One more Gemara. This one's a little technical. Bear with me. The Gemara here discusses what if a person becomes impure, not by coming in contact to, to a dead body. They're impure because they come in contact, like I mentioned before, with a sheritz, with a dead bug. There are certain shrotzim, certain bugs, creepy insects, that coming in contact with them when the bug is, is lifeless makes a person impure. It's called Tumas Sheretz. What about if a person is Tumas Sheretz? When do they bring the Korban Pesach? The first Pesach or the second Pesach? The Gemara discusses this in Mesech Psachim. There's the opinion of Rav. And Rav says, Rav says this. Rav says, Rav says this. He says it depends. If a person says Rav becomes impure by coming in contact with a dead bug, the process of purifying themselves consists of two things. Number one, the person, well, after, of course, after the person is no longer touching the dead bug, the person needs to go to the mikveh, the toivel in a kosher mikveh. After the person is toiveled in the kosher mikveh, then the person is still in a state of impurity until the day ends. Once the sun sets and you've been to the mikveh that day, assuming, of course, you didn't touch the bug again, after you went to the mikveh, your, your impurity, your tumor is removed from you. That's the, 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 the Again, the Torah explains this uh, in, in, in the Pesukim. Rav says, if a person has become impure from touching a bug, even though the maxim, the, 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 the tumor can be removed from the person in a day. In one day, you can rid yourself of the entire tumor. Nevertheless, nevertheless, in his state of impurity, before he goes to the mikvah and before the day is over, he may not bring the Korban Pesach. You would have to postpone, you would have to wait for Pesach Sheni. All right. And Rav brings for this idea that even a one day, even one day tumor can bar a person from bringing the Korban Pesach, Rav brings a tremendous, tremendous proof for his, to, to support his halacha. The truth is, when you think about it, when you hear it at first, it's a surprising thing for Rav to say. Because the Torah only speaks about the mitzvah of Pesach Sheni in context, as I mentioned before, of a person who becomes impure from touching a dead human body. The Torah doesn't talk about it in, in context of a person touching a bug. And yet, Rav goes so far as to say that even if the person touches a bug, which is a one-day tumor, touching a human body is a seven-day tumor. Even if a person touches a bug, it's a one-day tumor. Rashi, the Rav says even a one-day tumor is enough. But he brings a bomb of a proof. 
And he brings it once again from the same Pesukim that we're learning. Look back into the Pesukim. Pasuk Vav. He, Anoshim, says the Torah that were men, who became impure, they touched the dead body. They couldn't bring the Korban Pesach. Next two words. On that day, says Rav, what do you mean, they couldn't bring the Korban Pesach on that day? What does the Torah mean with that? They couldn't bring the Korban Pesach on that day? As opposed to what? As opposed to a different day? What does that mean? If, if on a different day they're still impure, then they still cannot bring the Korban Pesach. And if on a different day they're not impure, then they could bring the Korban Pesach because they're not impure. What's that day got to do with it? What's Bayoimahu? Says the Gemara, and I'll read it, it's two lines. Says the Gemara, these individuals who came, listen, listen to this, listen to this. These individuals who came to Moshe Rabbeinu, complaining that they were unable to bring the Korban Pesach, they became impure from coming in contact with the dead body. Yes, yes. The process of purifying oneself takes how long? Mentioned before, seven days. Says the Gemara, I'll tell you why, says the Gemara. The Torah uses the expression by Yomahu. Because that day, the 14th day of Nisan, was their seventh day of the seven-day process of bringing the carbon Pesach. They were only impure for one more day. That was the last day. And they came to Moshe Rabbeinu and they said, today is our last day. Can we bring the Korban Pesach? And Moshe Rabbeinu said, no, you have to wait for Pesach Sheni. Says, Rab, this is my proof. So you see that it's not just a seven-day tumor that forces a person to go from Pesach Rishon to Pesach Sheni. Even a one-day tumor will force a person to go to Pesach Sheni. Proof? The Jews who came to Moshe Rabbeinu in that scenario were only impure for one more day. The Pesach says that clearly. But the next day they would have been able to. The next day, would be, the next day they would have been able to. And nevertheless, Moshe Rabbeinu in the name of Hashem tells them, no, wait for the next month. So from here you see that even a one-day tumor is sufficient to delay a person from Pesach Rishon to Pesach Sheni. Now, if the Gomorrah would stop over there, things would be relatively simple. But then Rav, the author of this din, that even a one-day tumor forces a person to go to Pesach Sheni, drops the following bomb, atom bomb. He says, Rav says, here it goes. Rav says, oh, by the way, this law that I just said, that a person who's only tome for one day has to wait for the second month for Yudal and Iyar, that's only if the person didn't go to the mikvah. But if the person did go to the mikveh, and now it's just a question of time, it's just a question of waiting till the day is over, if you already went to the mikveh, you can participate in the Korban Pesach, even in the month of Nisan. You don't have to wait for Pesach Sheni. The difference is, if you, in other words, when, once a person becomes impure by coming in contact with a bug, so you need two things. You need to actually physically go to the mikveh, you need to do an act, and then you need to wait. So if you have yet to do an act, if you have yet to do something, so then there's an activity that's lacking, then you cannot bring the Korban Pesach. 
But if you've done the activity and now there's, there's nothing left for you to do, just to wait till the day is over, says Rab, then you can bring the Korban Pesach. You don't need to wait for the Pesach Shein. So Toysfus asks the following question. Toysfus says, if that's the case, Toysfus, this is Toysfus stuff. If you don't believe me for what, what I'm about to say, Toysfus, check it out. Mesech de Psochim, Daf Tzadik Ahmed Beis, page 90, side two. The Toysfus begins with the words, Shechal Shavi Shiloi. And in two lines, Toysfus completely, radically, changes our entire understanding of the story completely. But it starts with a question, as always. Tosfos says, let me ask you a question. Did Rav just say that if you've gone to the mikvah and all you have left to do is just wait till the day is over, and if and once the day is over, your tumah is gone, that you can bring the Korban Pesach and you don't have to wait, and you don't have to wait a month for Pesach Shani? Yeah, he just said that. Says Tosfos, and the Gemara just said, that the individuals in the days of Moshe Rabbeinu who had become impure were on the seventh day of their cleansing purity process. Yes? Yes. So why, says Toysavis in heaven's name, is Moshe Rabbeinu telling them to wait for the next month? Why doesn't he just tell them to go to the mikvah? And as soon as they go to the mikvah, the only thing standing in between themselves and their purity is just a couple of hours. And Rav just told us, if it's just time between you and your state of purity, a couple of hours, if by the time the day is over, the sun sets, you're pure, you can bring the carbon Pesach. Why is Moshe Mina talking about Pesach Shani? Who needs Pesach Shani? Go to the blessed mikvah. And you'll be able to bring the Pesach Rishon. Good question. Interesting question. Tosha says, I have a better solution. If this is Taka the seventh day and it's just a couple of hours till the whole thing is over and they've already been, been, been sprinkled with the, with, the, with the ashes of the poor Aduma, let them just go, let, let, let Tosha says, let Moshe tell them to go to the mikveh. Answers Tosha that's what Moshe Rabbeinu said. <laughs> that's what he told them. He told them to stop hacking at Shinek and to stop driving him crazy. He told them, pick yourselves up, go to the mikveh and bring the carbon Pesach like everybody else. Says Toysavus, really? So why are we talking about Pesach Sheni? Sorry, one second. Says Toysavus, and not only that, not only that, says Toysavus, That's exactly what they did. Not only did Moshe Rabbeinu tell them that they could go to the mikveh and, and, be, and be part of the, the Korban Pesach the first month, that's exactly what happened. They, they got Moshe Rabbeinu's answer and they went to the mikveh and they participated in the Korban Pesach the first year like everybody else. Wait a second, says Toysavus. That's not what it says in the Chumash. In the Chumash it says about Pesach Sheini. Why are we talking about Pesach Sheini if they brought the sacrifice in Pesach Rishon? Oh, says Tosfos, I'll tell you what that means. Quote, Omar luhu Moshe, hayoyim, Close quote. The mitzvah of Pesach Sheni, this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. The mitzvah of Pesach Sheni was used by Moshe Rabbeinu as a threat. He told those Jews who came to complain to him, he told them, you guys better go to the mikveh now and be part of the Pesach like everybody else. 
Because if you're gonna if you're gonna stay here and continue hacking me at China, can lose your opportunity to go to the mikvah. You're gonna have to go bring the korban Pesach in a month from now, Pesach Sheni. End of Tosfos. Let's recap. What Tosfos is saying is that the Torah does not mean that these individuals who were impure in the end offered a Pesach Sheni. That's not, what the, that, that's not what happened. They brought the Korban Pesach Rishon like everybody else because all they needed to do in order to be able to bring the Korban Pesach was just go to the mikveh. Ah, they become impure from coming in contact with a dead body. They started the purification process seven days ago. And they had already been sprinkled with the ashes of the Poraduma twice, once on day three and once on day seven. The only thing that was missing was mikveh and sunset. And these Jews, instead of going to the mikveh, came to Moshe Rabbeinu crying. We want to bring the Korban Pesach. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, go to the mikveh. And then bring the Korban Pesach together with everybody else. But for whatever reason, the Jews were hesitant. They didn't want to do that. They wanted to be able to bring the Korban Pesach without going to the mikveh. And so Moshe Rabbeinu threatens them. He says, Moshe says, don't mess with me. If you don't do what I say, you're going to have to end up bringing the Korban Pesach next month on your dollar ear. End of quote in Tosfos. Now, of course, from a legal level, from a Talmudic level, there are a thousand layers that need to be unpacked here. What exactly does this mean? And how, how specifically does this work? I have about 15 minutes left. So I want to move away at this point from the legal analytic Talmudic part. And I want to move maybe to give some kind of spiritual understanding of, of, of what it is that's going on here. I want to make three points. Point one, it seems like there's such a simple solution. All Moshe Rabbeinu is telling them is to go, if they go to the mikveh, they're fine. Why are they resistant? And Moshe is to tell, if you don't, you have to wait for Pesach Shani. Why are they resistant? And if they are resistant, then, then, then what do they care to wait for Pesach Shani? Hashem just gave them Mitzvah Pesach Shani, no. So if for whatever reason they don't want to go to the mikveh, which needs to be understood, why don't they want to go to the mikveh? Then just wait for Pesach Shani. No, they hear Pesach Shani, they go running to the mikveh. They bring the Pesach Rishon. Maybe the reason why they're resistant or hesitant to go to the mikveh is because of exactly what, they, what we said before. How did these people become impure? They carry, I, I cannot overstate the, the, the magnitude of this in my head. They carried the coffins of the greatest Sadiqim of Jewish history. Ruvain, Shimon, Yehuda, Yisachar, Zvulun. They carried them. Yosef HaTzadik. They carried this coffin out of Mitzrayim. Not of an Aviyu. Moshe says they're greater than me. I would dare say that the Jews who carry these coffins, who carry these, who bury these tzaddikim, with their, with, who carry these coffins with their own two hands, or bury the tzaddikim, not of an avi, with their own two hands, they consider this puma, this impurity that they had been exposed to, as the greatest gift ever. They did not want to rid themselves of it. 
Yes, in this case, they must have known ahead of time that there was going to be a korban, mitzvah of Korban Pesach. So they set into motion a purification process seven days earlier. But the idea of going to the mikveh and washing away this imprint on their souls from carrying these tzaddikim, they're hesitant. I don't want to go to the mikveh, they're crying. I want to stay in this spiritual auspices of the tzaddikim's bodies that I'm carrying. And I believe that this is an answer to a question we asked before. We asked before in the beginning, they came to Moshe and Aaron, and they said, why should we lose out? Everybody else is bringing the Quran Pesach, why shouldn't we? And we asked, what do you mean? The Pesach says, why? The Pesach says, because they were impure, and impure people couldn't. I'll tell you how I understand the question. I think they came to Moshe and Aaron, and they said, one second, one second. We carried Yosef HaTzadik out of Mitzrayim. The individual who was sold into slavery by his brothers, beaten, abused, abandoned by everybody, and stood up as a tzaddik, Yosef Atzadik, to the world, stood up to Parai, stood up to the superpower of the time, made the, all of existence, all the whole world bow down to his feet. We carried him out of Mitzrayim as he made the Jews swear. And you want to tell me, you want to tell us we're impure and that impurity doesn't allow us to bring a sacrifice to Hashem? What kind of sacrifice is this? What kind of mitzvah is this? What kind of, what kind of God is this? This is, this is I think the Loma Nigora is, is both an intellectual question and I think it's a profoundly emotional question. I think the Jews came to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, really? We are the impure ones? Everybody else is taking care of themselves. Everybody else is worrying about their families. We're carrying the Shvatim out of Mitzrayim. The sea, the Medrash says, when they came to, when they came to the sea, the, the Yamsev, when they came to the sea, seven days after they left Egypt, the sea only agreed to split because it saw the coffin of Yosef, which they were carrying. And we were the ones who are impure and cannot bring Do you want to explain that to me? Corbin means to come close to Hashem. They said, we cannot come close to Hashem because of, because of this mitzvah that we're doing? How is it that a mitzvah carrying Yosef, carrying the Shvatim, carrying Nodav and Aviyu, or any mitzvah for that matter, how is it that that bars us from a korban? Lomanigora. You want to bar people from bringing from bringing us a sacrifice to Hashem? Bar the rest of Klal Yisrael who are worrying about themselves, who are not carrying the richest and most spiritually deep part of Jewish history. Bar the Jews who don't have the opportunity to touch Nodav and Aviyu, the holiest people greater than Moshe and Aaron. Bar them. We get barred. That doesn't make any sense. Talk about no good deed going unpunished. Now that's a good question. Moshe Rabbeinu tells them, go to the mikveh. Go to the mikveh and you can bring the sacrifice. They said No. What do you mean go to the mikvah and then we can bring this bring the sacrifice? 
The mikvah is going to remove from us the spirit of impurity that comes from these tzaddikim. That's what makes us able to, 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 to bring the sacrifice. Perhaps that's some of what's going on in the, in the conversation between these Anoshim and Moshe Rabbeinu. The Ari, by the way, the Ari writes something amazing. The Ari writes that Nodav and Aviyu, those two Kohanim who, who died in the day of the final day of the inauguration of the Mishkan, they were reincarnations of Odom Orishan. It's a whole separate discussion what that even means. But that's what the, the Ari writes very famously. Nodav and Aviyu, were, they had the soul of Odom Orishan. And they said, and I rewrite, that's why the, in the postdoc, the, the expression is used, and they said, we're impure for the soul of other Mauritian. That's who Nadav and Aviyu were. And maybe this is the reason why they repeat it twice. Why the Torah repeats it twice. Because this is the basis of their question. We're not impure because we, we, we buried some Russia that nobody wanted to look at. We're not impure because we, we buried, you know, we were pure because we buried the greatest of tzaddikim who were involved in a mitzvah. Moshe Rabbeinu tells them, if you don't go to the mikveh, your korban will be pushed off and be brought on Pesach Sheni. And when they hear that, something about that message makes them go. And off they go in the mikveh, and bring the Korban Pesach. And of course, Moshe Rabbeinu only hears that from Hashem once he gets from Hashem the mitzvah of Pesach Sheni, the mitzvah that should have been given to Moshe Rabbeinu, but wasn't, was given to these people. What, 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 what does any of this mean? I'll tell you what I think. I think Moshe Rabbeinu was telling the Jews who came to him to complain and cry that they were being excluded because they were in a state of impurity. I think Moshe Rabbeinu was telling them, you're making a terrible mistake. Moshe Rabbeinu said, listen to me. You are going to bring a Korban Pesach. You can only choose whether you bring it this month or next month. That's your choice. But whether or not to bring a Korban Pesach, you don't have that choice. If you don't put yourself in a position where you can bring it now, you'll have to bring it next month. What is Moshe Rabbeinu saying? I think he meant this. Pesach, when we, when we celebrate leaving Mitzrayim, becoming free, um, becoming liberated, what it means is it's a yomtif. It's, it's the significance of it is where we morph, where we transition into something we could never have imagined beforehand. That's Pesach. It's called Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, which means one day we're slaves and the next day we're not. Of course, the Jews struggle with this psychologically for 40 years, but this is what it is. It's one day where you become a different existence. Pesach refers to it as the birth of the Jewish nation. Pesach means we're born, <laughs> careful with the expression, we're born again in the sense where we have the ability to transition into something new and greater. Here's the point, that we could never have imagined beforehand. Never. 
it would have been impossible for us to picture ourselves going through this trend. It's a transition and a, and a change that defies our own perception of ourselves. And that's really, that's a really difficult thing to do. 80% of the Jewish people, in fact, in Mitzrayim, couldn't wrap their heads around this. And so they got stuck. When Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu looks at these Jews and says, you don't get to choose whether to bring a Korban Pesach. You only choose if you bring it this month or next month. I think here's what he was telling them. I think he was telling them. In your minds, he says, you've reached a level of Kedusha. You've reached a level of holiness that's so high, that's so great. I mean, tarrying Nadav and Avihu, tarrying the Shvatim. It's like, you know, what greater mitzvah zechus is there than that? Nothing. There isn't. Oishavina says, you've, co you've come to a point where you've graduated in your mind how far you can go spiritually. You've reached, in a sense, spiritual perfection as you can perceive it. You're not wrong, says Moshe. You're not wrong. The mitzvah that you've done, the, 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 the work that you're doing, the zechus that you have is unparalleled. But you are making a mistake. Because a Jew never stops growing. There's never an end. And even as you leave one Mitzrayim, there's always another Mitzrayim to leave. And even as you leave, as you get to one spiritual perfection, there's always more. And you always have to be able to, to transition into something higher. Relative to the higher level, even where you are now, it can be considered an impurity. So Moshe Rabbeinu looks at the Jews and says, listen, go purify yourselves. Meaning what? Don't get stuck. What you've done is amazing. What you've done, the, the spiritual levels that you've reached, ah, kavaldik. But Moshe says it doesn't end here. When you go to the mikveh and you purify yourselves, you're not ridding yourselves of the impact that you've had, of, of what you've done until now. It'll all continue with you. You'll just take it to the next level. And that's the mitzvah of bringing a Korban Pesach. It's the ability to, to say, okay, no matter what was accomplished, no matter what was done, I've got to be able to, 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 to reinvent myself. And Moshe says, you're going to have to do that anyways. You cannot escape this. No matter where you are, right? No matter what happens. It never ends here. A Jewish service of Hashem never graduates. You never arrive. You never reach perfection. There's no such thing. There's always more. Go continue growing. Go continue serving Hashem. Take it to the next level. Ah, the Jewish people, those who are Tmeim, Lenefeshadim, they hear this. They ran to the mikveh. Of course they ran to the mikveh. They purified themselves and they brought the carbon Pesach and they got to, to experience it on an even higher level. And then about a month later, when it was time for the Jewish people to travel further, those who were carrying Yosef's coffin picked up Yosef's coffin and traveled again and, and became impure again and purified themselves again. And so it goes over and over and over again. The mitzvah of Pesach Sheni, I, I started off by saying in the beginning of this year, we don't find this with other Yom Tovim. There's no Shavuot Sheni, there's, there's no Sukkot Sheni. Of course, there's a significance specifically in Pesach Sheni. Pesach means break out. 
Pesach means reinvent yourself. Pesach means go out of all of your perceived limitations. Okay, what if I've done that? Guess what? You get to do it again and again. Remember, the experience of going out of Egypt is ongoing. I want to conclude with a, very briefly with an amazing story that I once heard from my father, Zosan Gazant. The Altarebbe, the, the, the author of Tanya, explains very famously in, in, in Tanya, in, in the, the uh, original Bible, if you will, of Hasidus Chabad, the Altarebbe explains that the difference, this, the difference between a tzaddik, a benini, and a rosha is that a rosha is a person who commits any sin, even one. In thought, speech, or action, that's enough to be called a Russia. A Benini is somebody who has the temptation to sin but never acts on it. And a Tzaddik, definitely a Tzaddik Gomor, is one who has no evil inclination at all. He's completely transformed it. Completely, to the good. He has only desires and inclinations and yearning to do what Hashem wants. That's it. So my father told me that there was a, a um, one of the Hasidish Rebbes once asked the Lubavitcher Rebbe, he said, if that's the case, if a tzaddik has reached a level where he's transformed his animal soul into a godly soul, into an even more powerful godly soul, so he's got two engines driving him in the right direction. So what's the struggle for the tzaddik? What's the avoid? Where does he get to sweat and, and, and toil and serve Hashem and experience it in a level where it hurts? Where's the... Pain, gain for the tzaddik. No pain, no gain. Where's the tzaddik experiencing real growth? Ow. Listen to this. The Rebbe told him, the avoider for the tzaddik, oh, the avoider said the Rebbe for the tzaddik is, but he's got to go out of the limitations of his godly soul. Again, he's got to go out of the limitations of his godly soul. That means he reaches the zenith the, the, the peak, it climbs to the top of the mountain that the godly soul can possibly take him. Now we turn to the person and say, you're a tzaddik. Maybe a tzaddik gomor. You're carrying a roinay shal yosef. You're not of an aviyu. Meis mitzvah. Unbelievable. Yes. Beautiful. That was wonderful for yesterday. Now Hashem has given you a new day. Go to the mikveh. Purify yourself. And climb one step higher. Have a wonderful shonus.